0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the BlueWire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Peterman of the Sacramento Bee, and we have a 49ers divisional round win over the Cowboys to talk about. We will do that. But first, we are sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. You can visit the brewery that's located in Santa Rosa. It's a great place to hang out. You can get beer. You can hang out. You can eat good food at their food trucks, dog friendly, just a really great place to vibe. You can also order their beer online. You go to cooperagebrewing.com. That's Brewing. .com. You can order a case. They send it right to your front door. It is the single best way to acquire beer. I've acquired beers a lot of ways and nothing better than the mailman coming and just dropping beer on your porch It's or your front step, whatever. It's the greatest thing. Cooper's Brewing, coopersbrewing.com. Drink good beer. Let's talk about the 49ers 19 to 12 win over the Cowboys.
0: This is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle
2: is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa's got him and a second back inside the
1: 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops. Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard line. That was a really good football game. Just a just a just a rocking good time watching football.
3: Like for me, that was one of my favorite games of the year. Um, Just because it it felt like it could go either way at any point. Like it Mm -hmm. was one of those games where I mean, you know, we talked about that the Niners hadn't played a team. That like that really on their level in a while, like not since Kansas City at the end of October. Right. The Cowboys for most of the game felt like they were on the 49ers level. But Definitely. I think ultimately the 49ers are the better team and they proved to be the better team as the game wore on. Um, but it was just a high level football game. It was super physical. Um, it was, you know, one of those where it, it was just close the entire game. Um, And it wasn't like aesthetically pleasing. Like it wasn't, you know, a a 45, 43 shootout. Sure. But it was just like playoff football. Like it's, it's super cliche and football guys, like a football guy thing to say, but it was, it was just what you want out of a playoff football game. If you're like, if you just enjoy that brand, right. It it was, um, it was just, It was really fun. It was really fun to be there. The intensity, the atmosphere. um, I'm sure it came through on the broadcast, but it was it was a high level football game between two high level teams. And I thought Dallas came to play like I felt last watching last year's game. I don't know that I really had a a whole lot of like I know the game was close. I didn't have a lot of worry from like the Niners perspective, even in Dallas, because I thought the Niners were just significantly better. Mm -hmm. Dallas has improved since last year I thought definitely um and their defense was was really hard for the 49ers to move like particularly up front Dallas's defensive line controlled the game for the majority of it until they started to wear down a little bit in the second half um but no it was it was a a high level game I thought Tony Pollard's injury was was huge um and it made Dallas a lot easier to defend. I thought Dak Prescott wasn't great. Um, and I thought the 49ers might have missed a couple of opportunities, particularly like Trey Greenlaw's walk-in pick six at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some there were definitely some Jakowski Tart mentions in the in the press box after after that one was dropped, but a much different result, obviously, than than Tart's dropped interception. Um, but no, I, I just I enjoyed it. I enjoy the stakes, the the pressure, the hanging on every play that could sort of determine it. Um, so it was it was just a, a great, a great NFL playoff game between two teams. And, and that's sort of what you wait for all year when you go through the stretch that the 49ers have gone through where, you know, let's face it, they've beaten a lot of teams that they should beat. And and this one was like, all right, let's see them beat another really good team. And they did.
1: And it's so rare, especially now in 2022, 2023, whatever, to see like a defense first football game. And I'm not a like, yeah, I want three nothing games like I that's not I'm that's not give me 45, 43. I want shootouts. But it was just kind of refreshing to see a game where like these are two offenses that can hang up 40 on anybody. And it was just two good defenses. It was good defense, not bad offense, leading to a 19 to 12 final. Yeah. And I was just I there were game swinging plays on on both ends. Um I thought Travon Diggs dropping that interception on the Niners touchdown drive was just kind of a play that got lost in the shuffle but like it was the 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 moment that swung the game i thought because at that point it's 9-9 and the cowboys are then getting the ball
3: there were a few and, mistakes dallas made on that drive that i kept it alive
1: yeah a couple of couple of penalties that gave the niners first downs they started the drive with a penalty that gave the niners a first and five there was a third. When...
3: There was a third down sack that was negated by the holding penalty on George mm-hmm. against George Kittle, which is uh, a really blatant hold, by the way. Oh yeah, totally, totally. But it was you know, and and there was the other holding play where the the defensive tackle did the Justin Smith mm-hmm. preventing preventing Aaron Banks from getting to the second level. Um, but yeah, I, I Dallas's defense definitely. I don't know if they wore down. I think I think you can make the case that they wore down, particularly given those are like their four straight road game. Yeah, but those were those mistakes were huge.
1: Yeah, and it was it was another second half like we saw against Seattle, where the Niners' offense struggled a little bit to move the ball in the first half, but then in the second half, they had three drives and held the ball for the first two of them for like fourteen or fifteen minutes, and when you're holding the ball that long like that means you're doing something right and they did start to move the move Dallas's defensive line at least a little bit whether it's because they wore out or whether it's because of some adjustment the Niners made I don't I don't know for 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 certain but I thought the the big takeaway for me was and we'll we'll talk about Brock Purdy in a little bit but the Niners offensive line was specifically on the interior I didn't think was I don't want to say ready because that's not, it wasn't like they were poorly coached. I just don't think in a matchup like that against Dallas. And we'll talk about Philly later in the week, but or or in a game against Philly where I just don't know. I don't have a ton of confidence that that their their interior, their offensive line is going to hold up. And they, like I said, they got a little better in the second half, but it was a, it was a problem all game.
3: Yeah. I mean, I thought it was just a, It was Dallas's defensive tackles playing really well. And man, Micah Parsons is an absolute freak. He's sick. He's a absolute freak. He's like if Tyreek Hill was a defensive end. Like it's it's incredible Hmm. to watch him play down in and down out. There was a play in the first half where and I'm sure they showed it a, a few different times. But he George Kittle was in to chip him. He makes Kittle completely whiff. Like Kittle goes to Chip and misses because Parsons like sidesteps him. Kittle goes and runs his route. And then Parsons just hip tosses Mike McGlinchey. Just chucked him. Took him just, both feet off the ground. Just chucked Mike McGlinchy. Mike McGlinchey is six foot eight and three hundred pounds. Like yeah. three three 15, 320 like a big, big man. Micah Parsons just I mean we talk about George Kittle, obviously, probably one of, if not the best blocking tight ends in the NFL, completely whiffs and say what you want about McGlinchey. He's still a six foot eight, 300 plus pound pound human mm-hmm. to do to be able to do. That's one thing to be able to do it in a sequence in the same play and then go force an incompletion. Yeah, man. Micah Parsons is just insane to watch. Um, he would have been the DPOY
1: without Nick Bosa in the league,
3: right? Without Nick Bosa. And he was, he was a problem all day for the Niners. Mm -hmm. He was a big problem all day for the Niners, even against Trent Williams. Like he was, he's a absolute handful. Um, so I just thought Dallas's defensive front was really fast. I thought Dan Quinn did a really good job of taking away a lot of what the 49ers like to do. Like, mm-hmm. the 49ers tried to go to the play-action well a lot, and the Cowboys were really good, particularly in the first half against the run, but also were super sticky in coverage on play-action. Like, there, was, yeah. the, there weren't dudes just wa- running wide open in space, like we see so often against Kyle Shanahan's offenses. So I thought Dallas's defense was really, really good. And I think the that- 49ers just wore them out. Like, the 49ers, to be able to run... 21 times in the second half and to get Elijah Mitchell going I mean that, would, that was really the key and I, I also thought you know finishing 7 7 of 12 on 3rd down 7 mm-hmm. of 14 on 3rd down excuse me I mean it you know it wasn't like an incredible Brock Purdy play game but he made a lot of really good throws so that was so so
1: let's talk about Brock for a second because on the on the TV copy you don't get the the full scope of what's going on down the field. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out was because I think this was by by a pretty significant margin margin, his worst game as a starter. Didn't throw a touchdown. He didn't throw a pick either. But um I, I didn't think he was great, but was that indecisiveness? Was that just the the Cowboys defensive line, just getting home too quick. Were was he missing open reads? Like what what did what did you think
3: being there and kind of being able to see, you know, a little bit of what he was seeing down the field? I thought a lot of it was Dallas's defense playing well. A lot of it was Dallas's defense playing well, and they're just not being a whole lot of separation between the 49ers pass catchers and Dallas's cover guys. Sure. Um, and I thought they schemed up a lot of stuff like the 49ers tried a lot of like bubble screens and like designer runs where they're like setting guys in motion. And Dallas did a really good job at, at cutting those plays off and not allowing really too many running lanes like that last play, the pitch play to Elijah Mitchell down the sideline where he went out of bounds after getting the first down. That was really like the, the only time. I could think of where the 49ers really had control of the edge and like a a lane where one of their backs or whoever was carrying it could could hit the lane at full speed and turn Mm. the corner like Dallas did a really good job at controlling the edges. I thought I thought their defensive tackles for the most part were just really, really difficult on the 49ers interior and they did a really good job of eating up blocks and preventing the 49ers interior guys from getting to the second level. Because so often, like when the 49ers are running the ball well, they're really good at like doing the combo blocks where they have like two guys on a defensive line when they push them upfield and one peels off and gets to a linebacker Mm -hmm. or defensive back. Right. Um, The way Dallas's defensive line was playing and the way they're mixing up looks and all of that stuff, it just sort of took a lot of those things, a lot of 49ers staples away. Um, so in terms of Brock Purdy, I didn't think he played poorly. Um, in particular, I just think Dallas's defense played really well and at a a pretty high level. And the 49ers wanted a a few of the guys, including Kyle Shanahan after the game and Purdy talked about it too. Like they planned on running the ball a whole lot more than they did. And they only got off 11 carries in the first half. Um, right. and they, they had, they are going at two yards a carry, right. They were going at two yards of carry and had to pass more than they anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to see more like quick hitting passes. I think yeah. like the Cowboys were intent on just taking a lot of those quick hitting passes for short gains. Um, and just sort of using that as an extension of the running game. The 49ers didn't really sure. do a whole lot of that. It was like a lot of running the ball, a lot of long developing play action plays. um, And the Cowboys just didn't really give up too many of those. And Mm. even George Kittle's catch, which was like absolutely one of the turning points of the game. I was on like a designer screen to that right side, it looked like. And Kittle was over there blocking. And then Purdy rolls left. And all of a sudden, there's just a bunch of space in the middle of the field because the Cowboys defense is overplaying to the edges. And that's what opened up that throwing lane to to Kittle. Um, but no, like I thought there was that third and 17 that Purdy converted in the first half uh, to Brandon Ayuk, which I thought was a really good throw. Um, there were a few, a few throws to Kittle, which were really good. Like mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing to me with, with Brock Purdy, don't turn the ball over, which he didn't do, and be good on third down, which I thought he was for the most part. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you can convert 7 of 14 on a really good defense on a day where the offense is really struggling, I I think ultimately that's a good thing. Um, You obviously want to be better than one of three in the red zone. But again, like going into it, I think that was the type of game where it was like it kind of would have been surprising if the 49ers had just hung 35 on Dallas.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I thought one of the plays that jumped out to me when the moment it, it hit that it was like, oh, they're they're going to like 20 points might win this game was that designed fake toss right and then hand off to Debo left where Demarcus yeah. Lawrence a read the play properly, but then b chased Debo down from behind. That just doesn't have... Like, that play is designed specifically to get that defender in that spot because Debo supposed to run away from him. And he just, he just didn't. Yeah. It was pretty unreal. But, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't love... I didn't think it was a great Kyle Shanahan game, just from a play-calling standpoint. His clock management, specifically at the end of the first half... He talked about that afterwards. Appalling? <laughs> I thought. <laughs> His <laughs> whole
3: he, thing... So
1: please, please explain, because I would like to to see if it's actually justified.
3: His whole thing was he didn't want to not get that third down and then give Dallas the ball back with 40 or 50 seconds left, whatever it was, and two timeouts. He was like, all right, it was more important, particularly since for this is Kyle Shanahan talking, particularly since Dallas was going to get the ball after halftime. He didn't want the opportunity like he's a big like score before the half, get the ball back and lap the other team. He tries to do that every week and we see him actually do it pretty successfully a lot of the time. But that was a situation where he was like, well, it was third and one. If we get the first down, obviously we want more time to go down and score. But what was more important in his mind was not giving Dallas the ball back with a chance to score before halftime and then get the ball to start the third quarter and he said he was like i totally get it like i didn't love being in that situation but he didn't want to risk the chance to give dallas back the ball with time in those timeouts so he decided to let i think 26 seconds yeah 26 seconds off the clock so huh it was weird at the time I guess I get his explanation. It's still weird. They won the game and their defense played well, so it's you know, I mean I we, we could we could really nitpick it if we want, but I I think again, they won the game. <laughs> so if uh if Dallas goes down and somehow, like I thought Dallas's offense was better in the first half. And again, like Tony Pollard was out at that point too, but yeah. Um given that you know, you have an opportunity to to run go routes with CD Lamb on or Lenore. I understand Kyle Shanahan's fear of giving Dallas a ball back there, but it was yeah. admittedly I was like what is going on? Like how do you not use your time out there? Because and he then, was he was fearful of Dallas getting that stop on third and one.
1: It could have been an all-time disaster if Purdy waits one more second to throw that ball away right at the end of the half.
3: Yeah, that was that was probably Purdy's biggest like Oh shit! That was moment. such
1: a. That was so. There's mistakes, and then there's rookie mistakes, right?
3: Yeah.
1: And I feel like every mistake Purdy's made this year, it's been like, oh, there's the rookie mistake. It's like, no, that's just a bad throw. Like, <laughs> like that sure. happens sometimes. That was a rookie, like, not. I don't think not knowing the situation, but just that internal clock of just hasn't taken enough NFL snaps and hasn't been enough spots to know exactly. You know, what the situation calls for and ultimately it worked out and they got the field goal and it's fine. Right. But that had big time like deer in the headlights energy to it.
3: Yeah, he definitely he was trying to do a little too much on that play because he was like, I was looking right, looking left, like trying to keep my eyes downfield, trying to make a play, and it was like just you know, gotta throw it away there. But um Purdy's it was just kind of like an interesting. Post game scene because I think last the the last couple of years during the playoffs there were not a couple well last year in particular like in Green Bay felt kind, sort of celebratory like to go win in Green Bay there was like a lot of smiles post game not that there weren't today but it did seem like there was a different vibe like okay we got through one now we got to go get through another. It right. wasn't like, oh, man, that was so awesome how we got that block punt and scored that touchdown and we escaped Lambo yeah. with a win and beat the MVP like, oh, that was so cool. It was like much more subdued, like, okay, we got that one. Now we got to go get another one. Right. Um. So it was interesting because this is this team and even 2019, like it feels a lot different. Just the vibe around the team. And I think obviously the that's a product of, the team having gone through what it's gone through in getting to a super bowl, losing and getting to an NFC championship game and losing like they, (laughs) they just have a different demeanor about them. And Mm. I think it's, it's, it's a more veteran experienced type of approach, which is probably what you want. Obviously, like they haven't won anything yet. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's part of it. But, um, yeah, in terms of Kyle Shannon, man, three three NFC title games in four years for Kyle Shannon. Though. Unreal, dude. Six and two in the playoffs.
1: Like nitpicking clock management aside, <laughs> his run as the 49ers head coach, for all the consternation about him, like when they were at three and four, there were people on the radio station at work for calling for him to be fired. Right. Which was always insane but they've now ripped off 12 in a row. They're on their third string Mr. Irrelevant quarterback who's now 7 and 0 as a starter. Yeah. And just just cruising along another NFC championship. Like this just doesn't it's not just super easy to go to three consecutive NFC championship game or three in four years. Not right. three consecutive. Three in four years. It's just that's really really hard to do. And you know, you can look at Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes they've gone to five straight AFC title games but that's Patrick Mahomes and you can look at what Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and all the stuff they did but that's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady this is just what what Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are doing is just not a super easy thing and it should be something regardless of what happens next Sunday it's an unbelievably impressive stretch of four years
3: yeah Yeah, it makes me wonder if we're like, if this Kyle Shanahan thing is heading towards like a Mike Tomlin type tenure where it's like, okay, at at some point you just kind of know that he's got job security. Yeah. Right. Like Mike Tomlin. Well, yeah, like Mike Tomlin's uh, Kyle Shanahan obviously cannot. You know, Mike Tomlin does it because he's never had a losing season. Mm hmm. Or Which he's, is wild. It's it's just completely insane. <laughs> if you go through Mike Tomlin season by season, their record is just completely bananas. But like the thing with Tomlin is it's like, okay, he just perennially has job security. Mm-hmm. And you could say that about Andy Reid and John Harbaugh and a few other guys for sure. But the difference with Kyle Shanahan, obviously, is he hasn't won a Super Bowl and those guys have. Exactly. But if he gets it, it, it feels like he can win one. I mean, maybe I don't know. Yeah. There are going to be people who'll be like, "Oh, we twenty-eight to three in the Chiefs Super Bowl in the Rams game." Like, okay, I don't, I, I don't come away from like that body of work being like, "Nope, Kyle Shanahan cannot win a Super Bowl."
1: Yeah, that's not
3: you know <laughs> you, no. you get you get to the championship round because you're you probably could win a Super Bowl. You just need to like actually do it.
1: Every single one of those games, every single one, and the the twenty eight to three thing is is asinine because they, that he wasn't a the head coach, and b they gave up five hundred and thirty eight yards or whatever it was in the second half, but right. n- neither here nor there. Every single one of those games, you can circle like one or two plays that were the difference. Sure. Like to me, that's just that's just football. That's how the game goes. Winning a Super Bowl super goddamn hard.
3: Right. Like, so, would Kyle Shanahan be a better coach? Or if Kyle Shanahan were a better coach, I should say, would Jaquaski Tart have caught the interception?
1: Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Does 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 Mike Person play better, and Chris Jones doesn't get a hand on a second down pass where right. George Kittle's wide open?
3: If Kyle, cause should Kyle, is there anything Kyle Shanahan could have done to coach Jimmy Garoppolo up better to miss Emmanuel Sanders on that deep pass? No. You know, like that's, no, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's, a, it's football is a crazy sport that way.
1: It's insane. And now Brock Purdy, seven and oh, so here we go here. Okay. Here's some fun stuff. Okay. I was tweeting about this and I actually wrote about this. So if you're listening to this, um, you might be hearing it before it actually got published on Niners wire. Brock Purdy's going to be the fifth quarterback to uh, fifth rookie quarterback to make a conference title game. Sean King with the Bucks in 99. Ben Roethlisberger with the Steelers in 04. It's a murderer's row here. Uh, Joe Flacco in an 08 with the Ravens. And then the Sanchez, Mark Sanchez in 09 with the Jets. They all lost. Sure. The, on- <laughs> the only one score game out of that was Sean King in the Bucks losing to the Rams 11 to 6. What year the- was that? That was ninety nine season.
3: God, the greatest show on turf only scored eleven points. Yeah that that Bucks defense is real, dog. No, yeah, I I just <laughs> that that I mean ninety nine. Yeah, I was I was twelve. And
1: they, their their touchdown came in the fourth quarter. They had gotten a safety to make it five to three. The Bucks <laughs> kicked a field goal to make it six five, and then St. Louis scored a touchdown to make it eleven to six. That's the only one score game. And so you're not
3: optimistic about Brock Purdy in Philadelphia. I take
1: it. Wait, hang on. I'm not done yet. Okay. The stats of those quarterbacks (laughs) of the rookie quarterbacks in the four games. uh, They are 57 of 113. That's 50.4% FYI. They've thrown for 787 yards. So just under seven yards in attempt four touchdowns, nine interceptions with a negative 41 point differential in four games. Yeah. I mean, it's tough, (laughs) right? If just to, just to, and again, that has obviously no bearing on how I think Brock Purdy is going to play. Right. But it just adds to the reason I even bring it up is like, Oh, and the latest drafted quarterback out of that group was Sean King who went 50th overall. The rest sure. of the guys are first round picks. <laughs> so the reason I even bring it up is like what Shanahan and Brock Purdy and the 49ers are doing right now is insane. And given what it's looked like every other time, I think Purdy's gonna be better than anybody's ever been
3: for a rookie in a conference title game on 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 next Sunday. Sure. Do you want to talk about Mike Silver's report or should we save that for later in the week? Yeah, I'd save it. Okay, we'll save it for later in the week. You can get Mike on. You probably could. We're yeah. not, not going to produce on the spot, though. I don't want to make any promises because Mike's going to no. be a busy guy this week, I'm sure.
1: but He's always a busy guy. Yeah, but... um, We'll talk about his report either way.
3: Yeah, we'll talk about his report about Brock Purdy being the starter next year. Um, But I'm with you, like, and that's the thing, right? Like, a Mr. Irrelevant drafted quarterback has never started a playoff game, right? Any game. Any game. Yeah. So, (laughs) so we're, we're, everything is uncharted territory at this point right? when it comes to Brock Purdy. So like, I don't know, like I, those stats certainly interesting and they tell a story, but you know, to this point, I don't like, I mean, it's, it's a daunting task to go into Philadelphia and win the NFC Championship game the way oh, the Eagles really. have played this year. Just like, you know, I, I think it's the fir- it'll be the first time since Kansas City that the 49ers are going to a team, are going to play a team that's either as good or better than them.
1: I thought Dallas was as good. I think the 49ers are better coached. I think if you swap coaching staffs, I think the Cowboys win.
3: I think that game today encapsulated pretty well where those two teams stack up against each other. Does that make sense? Like, in, in terms of my opinion, like the Niners are better, but the Cowboys are good too. And yeah. I just trusted the coaching staff a little bit more. And there were a couple of mistakes, like, you know, Mike McCarthy punting. Maybe Kyle Shanahan would have punted there with 230 left or whatever it was.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I. I just I inherently don't really trust Mike McCarthy a whole lot. Same. And the Cowboys were more penalized than the 49ers today. Mhm. Um and obviously that's not like always people love to like oh a lot of penalties must be a poorly coached team. It's like sometimes players just do dumb dumb stuff. Um right. seven penalties 50 yards three for 30 for the Niners so it wasn't like But with a, McCarthy
1: it's just like a perpetually it's it's perpetually a thing.
3: Yeah, it's a perpetually thing. And obviously, like the Niners probably have a better play to run with five seconds left needing a touchdown than whatever that was, dude. (laughs) (laughs) They put Ezekiel Elliott at center. It was on purpose. It was a choice. I mean, I'm curious to see because they clearly had a plan. Cause like, cause I think after, after the first lateral or after the first pass, or no, I think it's a lateral that like an lineman who snaps the ball, who's, who's ruled ineligible before the, before the play, I believe can touch the ball and become ineligible once the lateraling starts. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So they had linemen lined up out wide and then pass catchers lined up with them. So they clearly had something they were going to do. But because Aziz Shire just runs over Ezekiel Elliott and and forces Dak Prescott to throw it high, and who who was it? Was it Ceedee who caught it? No, it was number six. I think
1: I couldn't even tell you. It we have the, the we have the so technology. Here is what, what, <laughs> what I think the goal was. I think the goal was to snap it to to Dak Zeke. Turpin. Then, sure, that's a player. Yeah. Oh, Cavante Turpin, number eight, their kick returner. Turpin, yeah. Um, they probably were trying to just get him loose since he almost scored like four touchdowns by himself.
3: Niners kickoff coverage was not good today, with the <laughs> really exception bad. of the last one.
1: <laughs> so, so I want to talk about Ray Ray McLeod too in a second. But I think the goal was Zeke is snapping the ball to try and make people forget about him. And then he snaps it. They throw it to Turpin who then catches it and they somehow get it to Zeke behind like that convoy of blockers on the opposite side of the field to where the throw went. And then you're trying to get I I think was maybe the goal. It just doesn't work on an inbounds play in basketball where you can just like throw it to one guy and then lateral it to one guy and two defenders go with the guy who initially got the ball and you just get an open look at 3 for the win. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to do. It's like they watched remember the Titans and Mike McCarthy was like, "I got this." <laughs> Split-veer's like Nova Give it time always works.
3: It was wild. And I'm as as the are we the create the the founders, the settlers, the the discoverers of Jimmy Ward Island? yeah he was You're, in my six pack this week, yeah, nice, nicely done. He had a really good game. Probably should have had the pick that Fred Warner ended up getting. But, um, I enjoyed the fact that it was him just like hitting that dude Turpin really hard to just, end it. I mean,
1: <laughs> terrific form tackle.
3: <laughs> I mean, he's kind of, he's responsible for some notable plays in the game because he rolled up on tony pollard's ankle when he tackled him Mm. and that's what uh that's what got him off the or got him out of the game and that's obviously i'm not saying he should have or tried to hurt him on purpose or anything you never want to see injuries but like jimmy was there on that play um he was he should have had the interception and like if he had stayed on his feet and got that pick he was going to the house but he Mm. was kind of surprised the ball was like coming right to him and then just sort of <laughs> fell over as the ball was. And then it just bounced right to Warner. Warner was, ex, was like excellent for a lot of today.
1: That pass breakup against CD was like peak Fred.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, there, there just are not coverage linebackers that do that. Like as Did good it. as Pat Willis, who was, who was in the press box, shout to shout to our, our, one of our favorite podcasts, Pat Willis. Friend of the pod in the pod or in the, in the press box today. Um, I don't think he's making that play in coverage against CD. No, we saw
1: him not make that play against Jimmy Graham in the divisional playoffs against the Saints in 2012. Oh, good recall by you. 2011 wow. season. Wow. And but Fountain yeah, Fred Fred's, came over and didn't play the ball. I don't know crazy.
3: if Fred's going to be a Hall of Famer or like a Hall of Fame candidate like like Pat is, but I do think like Fred going back, like running backwards and like running with receivers in phase as the football guys like to call it. <laughs> Um, I think that's, he's, he's the best, like of the 49ers elite linebacker trio. If you want to throw Fred Warner in there with Pat Willis and Bowman, Fred's the best at that. So I put it this way. I was talking with my mom about
1: this. I didn't think the Niners would ever have a player close to Patrick Willis's caliber. Yeah. Like it was just like, wow, this Willis Bowman thing is just super rare. This is a once in a lifetime thing. I think in a vacuum Patrick Willis is probably better. But yeah. I think Fred Warner is more suited to the modern NFL in a yeah, way I, that it, Yeah. I, I don't want to say in a way that Willis wasn't, but just like the way Warner fits in this defense and the way he defends and his skill set in in this era of what offenses are trying to do just makes him so much more effective than he would have been 10 years ago.
3: I think Warner or sorry, I think Bowman and Willis were the perfect linebackers for their time and for the style mm-hmm. of football that was played. And I think this is what yes. you're saying. And Warner's a perfect linebacker for it this time. Yeah. But With I
1: Fred do Warner, think Fred Warner in 2011 is playing strong safety. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I do think Fred Warner I mean I do think Patrick Willis is better than Fred Warner. Like at this yeah, point. Yeah, 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 I'm just saying yeah, yeah, yeah. that one skill running backwards in coverage with the receiver is Warner's better than than them at that. But he has to do that like the Fort like Pat Willis wasn't doing that nearly as much.
1: I just don't know what you do as an as an offense like as a quarterback. You see 54 on the line to start the play. And then you drop back and you see he's not coming and you're just going oh the middle of the field's open because that linebacker was at the line of scrimmage and my receiver's 20 yards down the field there's nobody there right but actually the guy that started staring you in the face a yard away from you at the start of the play is now down there next to your receiver I just don't know how you prepare for <laughs> like I don't know I don't know how you prepare for that as an offense I just don't I just that that's not supposed to happen. Like a linebacker is not supposed to be able to get depth like that. That was crazy. Can we talk about, can we talk about Ray, Ray McLeod real quick? Yeah. I feel like I said that weird Ray Ray McLeod real
3: quick. Are you kind of used to saying Ray's McLeod? Kind of. Okay.
1: Ray's Ray squared. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: it felt like that fumble nearly happened 12 times this year. And then it just finally happened in the biggest game of the year. But the way he came back from it with the 53 yard kick return, which also felt like it was going to come at some point this year. I thought it was incredible. And shout out to rare McLeod.
3: Yeah, I to say that. I, I agree with you. And I also want to shout out our guy, Nick Wagner who came on the pod last week who like he went on our pod he went on tk's pod i know he was on d and kc in sacramento he was on sports you know on,
1: center he said you know he's on espn
3: yeah he was on sports center a bunch of times like shouts to our guy not, he's not making instagram reels yet though that's the next step <laughs> in <his game. laughs> but uh so shout out to nick but I'm, I'm sitting next to nick he calls dak prescott's first interception he's like dak's gonna throw a pick right here and he and like, I thought Dak had looked pretty sharp, mostly to that point. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. And he just calls it. <laughs> and then later in the game, I mean, so he basically called. He said, Ray, Ray McLeod's going to house this kickoff, uh, like return it all the way for a touchdown. And I'm like, OK, like. And then McLeod nearly does. It's a, It was a 50 yard one. But also like it should be it. I, I don't want to Nick give Nick too much credit on that because almost every kickoff or kick return is gonna be like Ray Ray Ray's gonna house one. It just says it's, it on every single one. <laughs> like not every single one. I want to say probably 70% of them. So like <laughs> a substantial amount when I've sat next to Nick, he's like, Ray's gonna house this one. He's like we kind of expecting it the whole year. But that was that was definitely really a good a bunch back. of times. And he was, uh, man, some of the guys had on some like really nice suits. Like they looked like they were, they were going to somewhere fancy after, uh, after the game or just going home to rest. I don't know. But, um, a, a few of the guys are talking about like Ray McLeod's confidence, like his, his ability to bounce back. Um, because it was like, remember early in the season, like, like to your point, it felt like there were a ton of punts or kickoffs where it's like man he almost fumbled man he almost fumbled yeah sometimes with guys that gets worse right you're like oh we can't they they can't trust that guy like his confidence mm-hmm. is shot he's almost fumbling or he is fumbling with McLeod it got better yeah. you know like does uh, special a lot teams of, coaching yeah and like a lot of guys um a lot of guys just don't respond and they let it get to them and they don't play well. And McLeod just kind of got better and better as the season wore on. So I, I think that's a good sign ultimately. Um, but yeah, that was that was a big that like, and it was a really big play. That's probably the biggest play or the biggest sequence for the 49ers defense in the game was not allowing a touchdown yeah. after McLeod's fumble. They allowed,
1: I'm gonna s- <laughs> They allowed a touchdown and two field goals to a team that averaged nearly 30 points a game this year. And three of those points came when they got the ball in the red zone off the fumble.
3: That's pretty unreal. It was a 9-6 to six game the Niners were winning right. when when McLeod fumbled. And right. that that was 9-9 nine, nine instead of
1: 13-9. Yeah.
3: So that's a pretty big moment in that game for the Niners defense not to give up a touchdown there.
1: Yeah, and who knows how they respond if they're down 13 9 versus defense holding its tied. That was uh no, that was that was huge for sure. Because McLeod then gets the big kick
3: return, but they ended up not doing anything with it. <laughs> On that third down and completion of Zeke over the middle, like that one that got tipped up could have no, definitely yeah. gone for six the other way.
1: Yes. They had that one the Greenlaw one at the end and then you just mentioned the Jimmy Ward one yeah they could have had multiple pick sixes
3: and I do wonder because this is another thing Nick pointed out which was a good pull by him um the Cowboys were one of the best if not I'm looking him up right now they were number one in the NFL in red zone scoring Mm -hmm. 73 percent of their trips were touchdowns good lord and to not have Tony Pollard in that sequence um was a big deal.
1: Yeah, it was pretty glaring how much worse their offense was when he was off the field.
3: Yeah. Because he Zeke's had that guy not, has Zeke's juice. Just
1: not, yeah, Zeke's just not dynamic like that anymore.
3: No, he's not. Like like Pollard has real juice. Pollard has like Elijah Mitchell type juice. Yeah. If not more so. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking up the numbers now because I remember he has a ridiculous number of touchdowns. Yeah, he scored twelve touchdowns this year. (laughs) So, um, so that's that's going to be the sequence, I think, when we think about where the Cowboys miss Pollard the most. Yeah, sorry, Zeke had twelve touchdowns. Pollard had Pollard had nine. Regardless, but those
1: are those are Zeke poaching inside the five.
3: Pollard had twelve total short yardage stuff. Pollard had twelve total. So anyway, I'm really good at looking at stats. How did I? (laughs)
1: hey speaking of uh speaking of special teams just going back to Ray Ray mcleod real quick mitch was dropping that punt on the six yard line at the end of the game when dallas was getting the ball back with 48 seconds left or whatever it was
3: that's big time i mean what what else is there to say (laughs) (laughs) totally no and I was, you know, I've the Mitch thing is kind of a bit, but I do think he's a good punter. Like He's a he's, really good punter. He's just really good at pinning punts deep. He doesn't boom it hard, hardly ever, but he's just, when you have a good defense, you just need a guy who pins punts deep, and he's really good at that. Yep. Um, I saw a bunch of people on Twitter when there was, in the first half when he punted, and the ball bounced to the two-yard line and then bounced in for a touchback. A lot of people were like, oh man, what a horrendous punt by Mitch Wisnowski. It's like if Danny Gray catches that ball, which he was down there, like it was high enough to where Danny Gray could have gotten Mm -hmm. down there. If he catches that ball, we're like, oh, what an amazing punt! (laughs) You know, it was so it was a little weird. I was like, that that was like a good punt, but it was a shitty result. Like, um, because and you can make a case going back and watching that play that Danny Gray got held in the end zone, trying to come back for the ball. Um, Even though I guess he technically couldn't have since he was in the end zone. But anyway, the punt was there to be caught. Potentially by a gunner in another scenario. Yeah. um, And then it took a weird
1: bounce where nobody could like save it to try and get it back in play. Yeah. Tough, tough play. How about Robbie Gold's performance? I mean, what else is there to say? <laughs> Playoff Rob. He made every kick. 28 on field goals in his postseason career now.
3: Yeah, he made four field goals, no misses, made an extra point and made arguably one of the biggest tackles of the game on that kickoff.
1: Dude, never seen a more just trying to get in the way tackle of all time. No, but I yeah, think he that, hit yeah, right. I think he hit I think he
3: hit Turpin with his back. No, he did. He kind of turned. But like Robbie Golds like 30 <laughs> He's He's very old, bro. He's 40. Yeah. Robbie Gold's 40.
1: Okay. Should not be out there trying to tackle people.
3: Right. So I don't, I mean, the guy, he got the guy down, but like, yes, seriously, Robbie Gold to not miss a kick today in that wind was pretty impressive because there was as stiff a breeze coming from the North side of the stadium that I've ever seen. Like those flags were, were going today and you don't see that like, Often, like you, there's there's often a breeze there, but today was one of the windier days I remember seeing. Particularly with it going north to south, and I and the fourth quarter, I mean, you know, as us big golf guys are, we're really keen on where the wind's going. <laughs> <laughs> and the no doubt. the the Cowboys are playing into the wind the entire fourth quarter, and I I do, and there was and Mar hit the the field goal going that direction, the last one he hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that was an adventure today too because like in the back of your mind you're like all right it's a seven point game if the Cowboys get this touchdown are they are they kicking the extra point to tie it or are they going for two <laughs> like, yeah like I you know that that was like a discussion in the uh, in the press box given the of fact course. that because like the the first extra point or the only extra point that Mark kicks was not was not going to be good. I don't think it was going
1: to go so far left.
3: It was spinning sideways, like it was. I it was helicoptering. Think,
1: I honestly think it was better for him that it got blocked, so he could yeah. not watch the kick sail twelve feet to the left. I agree with you. Like it, it was. There was no chance that was going to be good.
3: Right. He I was, was on the
1: left hash mark. <laughs> he was on the left hash. Samson Ibrakom was lined up to his left and it hit his arm
3: yeah
1: it, it wasn't gonna be close
3: yeah i was expecting the cowboys to bust out a special teams like fake some like a fake pun or an onside kick i'm i'm really surprised that that game went that way and they didn't hey they probably should have but they didn't because mike mccarthy is their coach right and they punted down seven with
1: two minutes left He was he was waiting to reach into his Duffy for that Zeke Elliott at center (laughs) play. They're like, coach, we should put we should run a faker. And he's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Just wait. Um, I'm setting something up, boys. Sure. You know, the Zeke center play, not the Zeke center play. Yeah, (laughs) we're doing it. (laughs) God damn it.
3: Zeke's like, oh, I got to block a linebacker. No, Zeke. Coach, we need to be more innovative. We need to be more innovative <laughs> on offense.
1: I've got this. You guys want positionless football? Wait till you see what I'm cooking
3: up. <laughs> Zeke um, center. I think. I think for now we've said enough about this game. I do want to Will rewatch have center
1: it. Center eligibility in fantasy next year.
3: Good question. That's a really good question. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> we'll have to get DK on to break it all down. <laughs> <laughs> do a deep dive. Danny Kelly, shout out to him for coming on the pod. A phenomenal guest, as always. right of the pod. Um,
0: Quick, nothing else on this game.
3: Yeah, I I don't either. I I wanted to ask you just before we get out of here, what's your first, your first thoughts, your first take? I don't want to. I hated saying first take. Um, Not that I hate the show, but I didn't want to say the show's name anyway. Sure. What's your initial take? Your initial reaction? that the 49ers are having to go to play Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game.
1: Um, My initial reaction is that I don't love the matchup, considering the fact that I think Philly is better than Dallas, and the Niners had a really, really hard time with Dallas at home. But, again, this comes down to having to rewatch it. Maybe there's something that they learned in the process of this game. And remember when Steven Ruiz is on was on was on the pod, he was talking about how he even liked the Niners against the Eagles because of what the Eagles do defensively. They don't really change anything up. And if that's the case, then maybe the Niners have a better time moving the ball. But it's just it's really hard to watch what Philly's done all year and then watch what the Niners look like against Dallas tonight on Sunday night and feel great about it
3: yeah yeah i i think if for you should still play the game just in case <laughs> <laughs> if you're a team that's going to win the super bowl you have to just beat the best team yep and the 49ers have to go on the road to beat the best team yep like it's not the 49ers are absolutely on their level they deserve to to be where they're at but to win the Super Bowl, they have to go beat the best team. And sometimes, like, take the Giants, for example, in the 2011 NFC Championship game when they came to San Francisco. Like, I feel like the Eagles are that upstart team that the 49ers were at that point. The Eagles are the team that was better at that point. The Eagles had the better season than the Giants. Than the the Eagle, Eagles have had a better season overall than the 49ers, right? in the same way that the 49ers in 2011 had a better season than the Giants. Mm-hmm. But the, but now the 49ers are in that spot the Giants were in, in that they're the underdogs going on the road. And just in order to win the Super Bowl, you have to beat the team that's better than you. I don't mm-hmm. think this is, or or has had a better season. I don't think this is a scenario where, I mean, obviously the 49ers don't have, they're not the higher seed. So I just this isn't a scenario like it was in 2019 well where it was very clear the 49ers were the best team in the NFC. I think the 49ers are the second best team in the NFC. But I absolutely think they can go to Philadelphia and win. But yes. to your point like it's tough for me to pick them right now after watching what Philadelphia did to the Giants and looking at and looking at their entire body of work and where they're good. Um, the Eagles have the best offensive line. The 49ers will have gone against all season, probably the best in the NFL. Mm -hmm. The Eagles might have the best defensive line. The 49ers have gone up against all season. Mm -hmm. Um, they struggle with mobile quarterbacks, particularly in the design running game. And that's exactly what Jalen hurts is really good at Mm -hmm. the Niners. When they do struggle in the passing game, it's two elite receivers. The Eagles have one and a half elite receivers. Eagles are really good. Depending on Devontae Smith. Um, they, are loaded. they have a good tight end. Like they are just a team with no flaws. And no uh, it, with maybe with the exception of experience. But the 49ers do have the advantage in experience because this is a group that's six and two in the playoffs.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And they've won an NFC cha- or yeah, they've won an NFC championship game before, obviously. Right. And they won two road playoff games last year. So I think my initial take is Eagles are the better team, but the Niners could just as easily go in there and win the same way that underdogs have won NFC championship games before. Cincinnati beating Kansas City last year. Yeah. Like it's not impossible. Yes, it's
1: not no, they could they could a hundred percent go win.
3: But I think I that's just my read on where these teams are going into the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just an initial take. Yeah. I'll think about it. I'll watch. I'll watch more.
3: (laughs) You'll consider spending some time (laughs) to watch.
1: No, I mean, I mean, just watching, watching Eagles
3: games. Oh, yeah.
1: Like I'm throwing out, I'm throwing out the divisional game because the Giants
3: were not, the Giants were not built for that. I'm not throwing it out, but. Yeah. I didn't like I didn't want to overreact to Dallas playing Tampa as well as they did. But like Dallas played Dallas is good. Dallas played better than I thought they would play. Like I thought Dallas's roster. Play like overachieved today. So that makes sense. Like Dallas is just got their guys to all play really well, particularly defensively. Mm hmm. Although maybe Dallas has a better roster than I'm ge- than I'm giving it credit for, just like depth wise, obviously they have stars like CD and Micah and Pollard. Yeah, but Niners are deeper too. Like Cowboys lost Pollard and they just couldn't recover. Like if the Niners lost one of their guys, if they lost, you know Debo, at least they still have you and Kittle and McCaffrey in the passing game and running game. If they lost McCaffrey, same thing for Debo. Or if they lost, you know, and and Elijah Mitchell, like the Niners, just having so much depth at the skill position is really what insulates them from some of the issues the Cowboys had. Like the Cowboys Mm -hmm. didn't have; they had Zeke, and the and the running game was completely non-existent, and Zeke wasn't particularly helpful in the passing game either. Right. So, but yeah, um, the Eagles are a different animal. And can't wait to dive in yeah we'll dive in but you got anything else no man i just love the game best aesthetic in the nfl when you get the niners and cowboys with those uniforms and those colors Mm. in the same field particularly in the playoffs it's just a a beautiful under the lights yeah the the crowd was great i thought and it was it was cool cowboys fans traveled pretty well like it was pro Mm -hmm. i would say like a like a 75 25 which is a pretty good like that's a pretty yeah. good showing for a road team in a playoff game, particularly for sure. yeah, respectable, particularly at a legacy franchise. The 49ers are a legacy franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, it was a good atmosphere. I will say Levi's was not super easy to get in and out of. Was Le- <laughs>
1: was Was
3: Levi's rocking? Yeah. I mean, it was a real playoff game, you know,
1: like, it's not that's the that's the reporter thing to say when a place gets loud this place is (laughs) rocking
3: i don't know if it was rocking because because we're in we're sealed in the box so we don't we don't get to hear like the crowd noise but you get a you get a vibe you know like being out there pregame and all that stuff but you catch a vibe joe montana barry bonds joe staley
1: Hey, let me ask you something real quick. Just a lot Jerry of Rice a said.
3: lot of famous people. Jerry Rice, obviously, a lot of famous people you, showing hey, up to this game.
1: You think Jerry could still play?
3: <laughs> Looks like he could still play. Man, shout out to Jerry Rice. I love Jerry Rice. He's he's been on been on this podcast. God, yeah. we've we've name dropped a lot of podcast guests today. That wasn't Gotta completely intentional. How, George
1: Kittle had a huge game. George Kittle.
3: <laughs> on the pod. Oh, yeah. We we hardly talked about Kittle. Remember coming in like. Was George... your check struggled early, came up with a couple of nice blocks in front of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> that was Kittle's career high in playoff yardage. Yes. And I thought in the passing game, that's probably the most important he's he's been in the passing game of any playoff game they found. Also one of my six pack picks. Yeah, no, you crush it. I don't have the list in front of me. Do you have the
1: list? No, I don't. I I didn't have a writing utensil. Okay. I know I had. I know I had Kittle
3: and and Jimmy Ward. I had like McCaffrey and Bosa. So yeah, you'll 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 take it. You'll take it this week. Um, well,
1: yeah. No, it's great. I'll take.
3: Yeah, take the dub for sure. I mean, McCaffrey did score the touchdown, but no, you'll you'll I'll give it to you. Um, I think
1: McCaffrey would have scored a touchdown if they ran that from their own one. <laughs>
3: That was one of the rare good looks they got. Like they they got the right play call against the right defense.
1: Just a truly like untouched, yeah, touchdown,
3: yeah. Um. All right. Anyways, I'm gonna re oh, rewatch the game, and we will talk about a bunch of other topics later in the week. But um, can't wait. NFC Championship game, three and four years.
1: It's becoming it's, regular just to be doing late January game pods
3: maybe we can talk about the niners like place as a franchise in the nfl after going to three nfc championship games in four years it's pretty good okay maybe maybe a future pod talk, topic um all right we're getting out good of call. here uh shout drink out to cooperage drink cooperage go hang out at cooperage go watch football at cooperage they have a giant projector above their bar that makes the football the screen for like football games like 40 feet wide like not an exaggeration like they have a it's like a movie screen basically in the bar on a projector so go there and watch football and drink beer it's amazing might be the vibe might be the vibe a good vibe and good beer like that's what else do you want in in a place you're going to hang out um getting out of here we'll talk to you guys later in the week Kyle's traveling home back to California can't wait to have you back buddy
1: Yeah, I'm waking up in like four hours.
3: Okay, great. Well, we'll get out of here. Subscribe right and review. We'll talk to you guys later in the week.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.